With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello? 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 This is Amina. Can you hear me? Hi, Amina. It's Stephen. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah? Good. Yeah. Am I the first one to call in? Yeah, and I called in earlier because I called in early because I had a challenge last weekend uh, in Denver. So I'm like, I want to get in early and make sure that everything is good. Is that Kathy? I don't hear anybody else. I see that people are joining. Oh, you can see that. Uh, yeah, I'm logged in on the computer. Yeah, this is Kathy. Sorry, I was muted. That's all right. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hey, it's Bruce. Hi, Bruce. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm going to be in the car still for a little bit, so I'll okay. do what I can. Be safe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm here. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> didn't, didn't we just speak? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got um, Bruce, Stephen, and Kathy so far. Okay. More people are joining. Excellent. Hello, hello. Hello, who's there? This is Amina. Hello, Amina. This is Magali. Hi, Magali. How are you doing, Amina? I'm doing great. How are you? I am okay. I am at the hospital right now. 
they okay. admitted my son. So um, oh. I'm going to listen in, but I have doctors coming in and out just asking questions. So if I don't answer, that's why. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and we'll just keep you all in prayer right now. What's your son's name? Thank you. His name is Adan. How do you spell that? A-G-A-N? Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're just going to trust think... that he's being very well taken care of. Thank you. Thank you. He's, um, he's doing much better, but they still want to keep him another night. And uh, and uh, he's just sad he's not going home. So. Yeah. How old is he? He's eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, give him a big squeeze from all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and mute and and um. Okay. I'll chime okay. in when and I if can. You, and if you need to go, that's totally fine. We'll we'll catch you up. Do what okay. you need to do. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, everyone. So, shall we? see who else is here. Is Tina here? Hi, this is Reverend Jesse. She uh, actually got pulled into a meeting at work um, oh. that uh, includes dinner. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know, the life and times preschool teacher. So, uh, <laughs> so she that, wanted me to let you know that she, she got the uh, last minute thing. So. Okay, okay. Recording. Uh, nice to hear your voice. I was going to save that special surprise, but we do have oh. Reverend Jesse with us tonight, so yay. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> let me just see. Uh, Leilani, are you on the call? Yes, I'm here. Yay. Happy birthday, dear. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And Enrique? Is Enrique on the call? You know, I actually was supposed to meet with Enrique earlier today, and he got called in on a last-minute business thing, um, and oh, I think that okay. it was take, keeping him all day. Okay. Like pull, I think he may have got pulled out of town, actually. Okay. Well, I know that um, Francisco is traveling, and Parks is not available tonight. So, um, And I don't know if you heard this, Jesse. Um Magali's at the hospital with her son who's been admitted and she's listening in as she can. Okay. Well, send our... yeah, we're going we're gonna to hold Agon in our prayers. So he will yes, indeed. include him in the opening prayer. That would be really lovely. Okay. Agon? So think, yeah. A-G-A-N. Okay. Good. All right. Cool. Yeah. So I think we're good to go. And Brian's here. Baba? I am, I am indeed. Cool. Um, I don't know if you guys know this yet, but we call Amina Ma Bliss for, after the Divine Mother, and we call Brian Baba after Divine Father, right? Isn't that Baba? Yep. Yeah. So, yep, yep, yep. Uh, and, and it's by... It's just it. I won't say coincidence because I don't believe in coincidence. But uh, <laughs> and, and so you got you got Ma and Baba teaching you guys. You're in good good hands. Family family unit. 
<laughs> okay. So uh, am I praying this in? Uh, if you would like to. Okay, so if everybody would mute themselves, and uh, Reverend Jesse will get us rolling. Rock and roll. Well, it's an honor to be here tonight with you all, and I'm going to invite those who are listening live to sit with an erect spine, your spine nice and straight and uh, comfortably, as as comfortably as you can. And I understand that some of you will be hearing this as a recording, so you can also participate, uh, even though, you know, what's time and space? So let's take a deep breath in and out. And simply centering in this moment, we release our day and we become present. We become present with each breath, and we do so by just gently placing our attention on our breath as we bring it in through our nose. And we observe as it fills our lungs and transforms into the out-breath and then exits through our nose or mouth. So let's just take three breaths together as we observe the breath, the flow of the breath entering in, transforming into the out-breath and then exiting. Yes. And all together, one more breath. We declare this to be a breath of gratitude. I'm grateful to be here on this call with the perfect group, knowing that this was pre assigned, (laughs) this configuration. So we're grateful and we declare it to be sacred, a sacred circle. I'm grateful to be participating in spiritual community, to be walking the path with mighty companions who are interested in expanding their awareness of love's presence here and now, in, as, and through our lives. And let us place on the holy altar in our mind any blocks that might prevent us from experiencing the peace of God now. Those blocks are thoughts and beliefs, thoughts of unworthiness, thoughts of lack, thoughts of regret, resentment, blame, shame, unworthiness. We place it all on the altar so we can alter our perception of them and see that they were just misperceptions. And as we remove the blocks, we allow the stream of divine intelligence to flow more freely through the channel that is us. And so we just remember the truth of who we are. Perfect love, 
We consider all of the qualities of the divine and we understand and acknowledge and allow all the qualities of the divine which are pre-installed within us to express freely as our life. Divine wisdom, abundance, beauty. Yes, intelligence, creativity, all of these things, all of these things describe each and every one of us how good it is to know that this is true And if it's true for us, it's true for everyone because we're one with them. We are made of the same material. And so we share the healing benefits of this time with everyone because we are one with them. And so it is. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to stay in this sort of the space, this reflective space as we begin the white light meditation that I know you are beginning to become familiar with. And we see using our mind's eye, using our imagination, such a valuable tool, a small ball of bright white light right in the center of our chest, our heart space. The ball of light is about the size of a tennis ball and it's rotating clockwise. And as we place our attention on this light, we notice that it begins to grow and expand within our chest and it flows up our throats into our heads. This bright white light flows down our arms into our hands and fingers and it flows down our torso, past our hips, through our legs past our knees, into our calves, and past our ankles, into our feet and toes. The light soaks and saturates our organs, our bones, our muscles, until every cell, every atom, every electron of this bright white light is saturated, one with. There is no place where our physical body begins and this light ends. We are one with the light. The light expands to fill our auric field. It expands to fill the room that we are in. It continues to grow like a ripple in a pond to fill the block that your building is on. It flows through the streets like waves of healing light connecting us with everyone driving in their cars, walking on the streets, eating in restaurants. It continues to flow and flow and flow until it reaches the beaches, seeps into the Pacific Ocean, instantaneously enveloping the entire planet. So imagine now that this class that we are in creates a circle, like we're sitting in a circle, and in the center of the circle we place our planetary hostess, Mother Earth, right in the center of the circle, and we see her enveloped in bright white light. every place where there seems to be disorder, disharmony, disease, just gently melts away. In the presence of light, we understand that the darkness never existed. It can't exist. What is all-encompassing can have no opposite. And so this is how we hold the space for world peace. We experience peace within ourselves. And then we extend that peace into 
our communities through the practice and demonstration of peace. Our life is our practice. Our life is our spiritual practice. And we teach through our demonstration, through our willingness to embody and share these qualities in every aspect of our life. Yes. And Again, like a ripple in a pond, the light expands to fill our galaxy and beyond until everything we can comprehend and more is bright white light. Let's just take one minute to breathe in the light and breathe out the light. To be the light. And if you don't fully understand or comprehend perfect, just be willing to be the light and see what happens, see what unfolds for you. And we'll just do that for one minute. And taking a deep breath in, we can stretch up above our head. Oh, stretch, stretch, stretch. And release. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Beautiful. So, I have good friends in town this weekend. So, I uh, gave... Practitioner ones and practitioner twos the week off. And so I uh, asked if it was okay with Brian and Amina that I sit in today and just have a little time with you guys and be able to connect with um, the practitioner three group. I'd like to say that um, I've, I've been listening to your classes <clears throat> and reading a lot of your homework. And I am really impressed with the clarity and quality of conversation and writing that you all are producing. Um, Really beautiful stuff, guys. Really beautiful stuff. And I encourage everyone, uh, even if you're you're not turning in your homework, um, because I know that there's a few people who um, are behind on a couple assignments, I invite you to really hold this process and the work that you do and the work that you turn in as a very valuable, very valuable part of this process. And what are we doing? 
as practitioners, we're taking a stand as something. We're, we're declaring to ourselves, to our community, to the universe that we are answering the call. And what's the call? The Course in Miracles would say it's the call to be a teacher of God. And if that sounds like a hefty title to you, teacher of God, <laughs> um, what that means is that you are you've committed to the truth, to walk the path of truth, the truth that sets you free, this practice of loving kindness, the practice of moving through the blocks that we've talked about, the ideas, the beliefs, the unloving habits that prevent you from experiencing your inherent nature, which is perfect love, perfect love. And in your path of remembrance, of unlearning, we are, it's really a path of unlearning. We're unlearning many of the belief systems that we've been taught that would tell us that we are broken, bad, unworthy, that there's something wrong with us, that there's something we have to get or achieve in order to be worthy of love, to be valuable. So as we unlearn all of that and and start to experience true value, which is love, there's just love, it all comes down to love. After we peel off all the layers, it's always love. We begin to understand that if my, if the truth about me is that I am perfect love and love is all there is and love is eternal, then it makes sense that it's the truth in everyone. And then we begin a practice of true forgiveness, which is releasing the veil of separation and being able to see the innocence in all. Everyone's innocent. And that's what answering the call really is. That's how it sort of unfolds. It's answering the call, take off the blinders, the veil of separation, and lean into the love that has always been here. It's nothing we need to go get, but it is something we must allow. We must allow it to express as our life. And what that will look like will be different for everyone. Thank goodness. Keep it interesting. And how it will express will express differently in everyone's life. Thank goodness. And that's why I think being in community gets to be so so much fun. That's why we get to celebrate everybody's success. So I invite you to, um, while you're in this program, in the practitioner program, to really uh, move, really contemplate, what is integrity? How can I be in the utmost integrity? How can I honor these teachings, the teachings that are supporting me in aligning with my true identity, my true self? It's like, um, it's sort of like an experience of, of having moved through this life with a case of mistaken identity. We thought we were limited. We thought we were unlovable. We thought there was something 
broken or weird or strange about it. We couldn't quite put our finger on it. But it was all a mistake. It was just a mistake. We are, all the qualities of God are pre-installed in us and just waiting to express, just waiting for us to remove those blocks so it can um, pour forth even more abundantly. So, um, yeah, so I just really, um, if you're listening to the recording of this, if you're listening to it live, um, I invite you to uh, turn in your homework, turn it in on time. It helps us um, take a temperature of what the class is. It helps us um, make sure that we're on track, that you're comprehending the material, that you're reading the material, that um, because uh, while you're in the practitioner program, you're ambassadors of Inspire, the Inspire spiritual community. Um, practitioners are part of the ecclesiastic body of the community, the spiritual body, the decision-making body of the community. And so um, when people just within the community know that you're a practitioner, they, you better believe they observe. <laughs> and I'm not saying you have to change yourself or act holier than thou, but, um, but I do invite you to really contemplate um, how can you show up as, you know, an ambassador of love. What does that look like? What does that look like to be an ambassador of love, a representative of these spiritual principles and qualities? Really what it comes down to is that you commit to live in loving kindness, to practice loving kindness, and move through fearful thoughts as they arise. (laughs) It's that simple. So just food for thought. Today, I'd actually like to talk about um, acceptance and non-judgment. These have been topics that we've been talking about in the other classes, and I've been talking about it a bit from the pulpit as well on Sundays. It's really been in the forefront of my consciousness, and I'd like to, um, I feel like it's a very helpful and important conversation to have. So... Let's begin with non-judgment. Let's begin with non-judgment. Non-judgment is one of the qualities in the practitioner credo. And it's such a valuable um, valuable quality to contemplate. And I find it when we can embody and begin to embody more clearly this principle in our life, this quality in our life, that life gets so much easier. <laughs> it's like we're saving time. So why do you think that um, practicing non-judgment makes our life easier? And I suppose a good question to help you with answer that is, why are we unqualified to judge? To judge, so think of things that we judge. We judge things as good and we judge things as bad. Why are we ill-equipped to judge something as good and judge something as bad? 
So I'm going to invite you to unmute yourself and answer if you have some ideas or would like to uh, contemplate or share, talk about this. Why are we ill-equipped <laughs> to judge? I've been listening in on your homework calls. I know that you're not that shy. <laughs> okay. I, uh, let me ask this. What do you need to have in order to make a sound judgment? How about that? What do you need to have to make a sound judgment? Facts. I'm sorry, what was that? Facts. Truth. Facts. Hi, is that Stephen? Yes. Hi. Facts Hi. and truth. Facts and truth, yes. Now, to judge clearly, Stephen, we need to have the truth, but is it challenging? How do we, how do we know? what the truth is. Well, we don't because we only know what 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 our truth is and what our mm-hmm. authentic self is with it, you know, and, and that's why we're unqualified. Because, <laughs> because outside of our authentic self, we, you know, we're basically judging outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if love is all there is, uh, there's just no room for judgment in love. Mm. There's room for accurate judgment. But there's no, I, think, that? I said I think there's room for accurate judgment, but based on our life experiences, again, we're we're not card-carrying members of the Accurate Judgment Society. We have, we, have, we have our own perspective, right? So, you know, there can be a group of 15 people at one place, and they all observe one thing happening, and you'll probably get 15 different stories of what happened. So... Just our individual perspective alone prevents us from accurately judging. And oftentimes, um, I just saw this great video about like non-conforming gender identification, and just this whole thing about how um, you know uh, oftentimes people will judge something as wrong because it's not like them, so they don't understand it, so it scares them. And so judgment oftentimes is a byproduct of what? Of what, Stephen? Judgment is often a byproduct of what? Well, of lack of information, of lack of understanding. Well, you just nailed it on the head. Lack of information. 
Yes, that is it, 100%. In order for us to judge anything accurately, we have to have all the information. We have to know the past, present, and future. We have to know how each um, occurrence, we have to know all the ripple effects of that, how it affects every person, uh, how it extends into the future, how it manifests into the future, and there's absolutely no way we could ever know that. So, I I think Reverend Jennifer was writing a book for a while called um, your opinions are ruining your life, so stop So stop it for the love of God. <laughs> and uh, she might still, she might still be writing it, so I'm sure she's cop- she's trademarked or copyrighted the title, so don't go writing that book. Um, but uh, it's so true, like, we don't have all the information. How many times have we experienced something that we thought was so bad, but the byproduct of that occurrence created something really magnificent, you know, really beautiful? Um, sometimes something that seems like an awful occurrence inspires transformation, which is beautiful and magnificent and wonderful on the other hand, but it may not have ever occurred if the other thing didn't happen. So the invitation is to really, like, walk through this week being willing to cultivate the awareness of where are you judging things as good and as bad in your life? What's good and what's bad, and what are you basing that on? One of the fundamental practices we do in the practitioner program is remind ourselves that our greatest good is always unfolding. Our greatest good is always unfolding. Now that may mean we are presented with specific challenges that will support us in growing and expanding our awareness of love's presence, but sometimes it means we have to really hit rock bottom with a belief system. We have to see where specific thoughts and beliefs will take us sometimes. Now, that doesn't have to be everybody's experience. In fact, the process of healing can be joyful and playful and fun, and I, and I hold that space for all of us. I hold it for myself, too, that the process of leaning into and becoming a vessel of unconditional love and understanding is a joy-filled process. But that doesn't seem to be the um, everybody's experience. There usually is some real, are some real challenges along the way, very confronting things, things that feel painful, things that feel um, like the end of the world, things that seem on the surface, seem like a bad thing, but down the road end up being great, end up being miracles, really. You know, some of our biggest teaching lessons that, have, that guide us to a new understanding. So where are you judging things in your life? Where are you judging things in your life as good or as bad? 
when I was um, planning my wedding uh, two years ago, there was a big snowstorm on the East Coast, and my in-laws got stuck in New York, and it didn't look like they were going to be able to fly out for the wedding. And Chris is very close. My husband is very close to his mother and his father. And they've, had a very, they've had a total, like, you know, odyssey journey with him coming out of the closet and all the healing that's, you know, unfolded because of it. And his brother was stuck there, too. His brother was his best man. His mom was going to walk him down the aisle. You know, his father, who was a devout Catholic, they just, everybody was going to be there. And it was really, like, the pressure finally, like, got to me. I was so attached to them getting here that there was a moment where I literally sat down in the middle of the sidewalk during a busy afternoon in Larchmont Village. <laughs> Not like on the curb, like in the middle of the sidewalk. And my husband sort of acted as a buffer for people so they wouldn't trip over me. And I had a little meltdown because I was like, we can't do the wedding if they're not here. We just can't do it. Like, I was just having this image of my husband, like, walking down the aisle by himself and how sad it was and, like, how sad the night would have been if his family wasn't there to share it with him. And I just had this whole crazy fantasy in my mind. So I called Reverend Jennifer and I said, listen, I understand that oftentimes we have to move through challenges in order to practice non-attachment, but I just don't want to have to practice it with my wedding. (laughs) And she listened and she said, you know, in order for the best case scenario to present itself, we have to be willing to see it. We have to be willing to see, we have to be willing to trust that the best case scenario is always unfolding for it to present itself. So there comes back, we circle back around to that wonderful word, that that practice that is the most essential tool in every practitioner's toolkit, willingness. When we are willing to believe, when we are willing to believe that the best case scenario is unfolding, when we are willing to believe that our greatest good is unfolding, then it can show us how and why. But if we are attached to our opinions and our judgments, this is how this, if it doesn't go like this, it's bad. If it goes like this, it's good. If we, are, if we hold it, just get that death grip on our judgments and opinions, then it's like putting... Um, it's like putting blinders on the side of our face to where we can't see to the right or to the left. It's a prison. We put ourselves in a prison where only one scenario, a fantasy scenario that we have in our mind, that's the only way that this is going to be a good thing. And if it doesn't unfold like that, then then it's bad, then it's awful. How could we possibly know? And we live in a loving universe. And God, the creative essence of the universe, is always life-giving. It's always forward-moving. God creates. God extends by nature. So how can we understand? How do we feel like we're in alignment with the divine? It's forward-moving. It's, it's, it's expansive. 
And the thing about love is you have to share it. You can't keep it to yourself because it's, it's our true essence, which is unifying. But our judgments, when we practice judgment, when we're in judgment, we can only see our limited perspective. So this is why the practice of non-judgment is so valuable, so dang valuable. So to move into the conversation of acceptance, listen. We have X amount of years doing it the other way. (laughs) Now, many of you I know have been on a path for a long time, so some of this material might not be necessarily new. Maybe it's a new way that you're hearing it or a new way that you're getting the information, but, um, but maybe for some of you this is brand new information, and it's great. So, But we're learning something new, and we're really putting it into practice by uh, enrolling in the practitioner program. You're obviously you're going to be practicing these principles in all your affairs and in everything that you do. So it's like there's a spotlight put on it, right? And, there's, and it can feel, a lot of times, it can feel like things get more challenging before they get easier. And it's not that they get more challenging. It's just that you become aware, you develop an awareness of your thinking. You become aware that my thoughts create my experiences. My perspective is always dictating my experience. So in the process of taking full responsibility for your life, you have to develop an awareness of what are the thoughts that are creating these experiences. And a lot of times it can feel a little overwhelming. (laughs) And oftentimes it can feel like you're failing. It can feel like you're failing. But how could that possibly be true? Is failure even possible in love? Is coming up short possible in love? No. Again, that's just our old ideas and belief systems running amok, trying to convince us that there's something wrong with us, that it's never going to work for us. We might as well just give up. So accepting where we are on the path is so valuable. It's so helpful because it takes away the judgment that it's wrong. So when we can accept that, I know I'm a child of God, I just don't feel like it right now. (laughs) I know I'm an extension of perfect peace, but it just doesn't feel that way in this moment. Right now, um, I want to rip that person's face off, and I accept that. Right now, I'm having a real challenge with that person's personality, and I can accept that. Right now, I feel really sad. Right now, I feel very overwhelmed. Right now, I feel very angry. There's no reason to pretend that you're not feeling a certain way. What good is that going to do? That's just going to make you sound crazy. It's going to make you feel crazy. We call that a spiritual bypass when we think that we have to just be thinking positive thoughts all day or else we're going to create um, all this havoc in our life. But what we are doing is we are developing the ability to be 100% responsible, responsibility, real, true responsibility, which is our ability to respond in love, lovingly. What would love do? We are releasing that which no longer serves, beginning with our judgment, 
So when we are in upset, do you know that we can actually go to gratitude? We can actually be like, oh, my gosh, I'm having the worst day at work. Everything feels like it's falling apart. I hate my boss. I hate this stuff. I hate it so much. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I hate my job so much right now. I know I'm really upset. I'm really triggered, which means that something is up for healing because I know my greatest good is always unfolding. And now at least I have enough information to stay curious enough and willing enough to discover what's really going on. What's the belief system here? What's up in my face right now? And if the answer doesn't come in this moment, it's all good. You still can be upset. But when we accept where we are without judging it as being good or bad, then we can stay present. And what happens when we are present with underneath that is peace. When we are present, we become at peace. So many times I have accepted the fact that I did not like somebody's personality which I thought was a big no-no. I was thinking, well, how can I ever practice unconditional love if I can't even get unconditional like down? But when I began to accept that, then I was able to be in the present moment and I was able to ask myself, I was always curious, I'm like, well, what's underneath that? What's really going on? And I thought, okay, well, what's the truth of that person? The truth of the person is that they're a child of God as well. They're an extension of perfect peace, just like me. I know that. But in my world, they're showing up as a real jerk. Well, that's their personality. My personality is not vibing with their personality. But are they their personality? Are they their body? Or are they something more expansive and bigger than that? Of course they are. And then I was able to be like, you know what? I love the truth of who they are. I know the truth of who they are, and I don't really like their personality. But their personality is not who they are. And then under that, I was able just to laugh at it and be peaceful. And now, everyone that I've had in my life that I've felt that way, well, for the most part, it's been 90%, 95%. I'm totally cool with now. We're buddies. We're friends. We have good times when we're with each other. And that was the person that drove me crazy. And just buckle up, practitioners. Because if there's anyone in your practitioner group that irritates you at all, just be prepared because we'll probably be your prayer partner the next month. <laughs> and then what has always happened with me is anytime I've had a problem with somebody's personality, I always get assigned to be their prayer partner. And then by the end of our prayer partner session, we're just totally in love. Because we're connecting at our heart space. We're connecting in love. We're connecting in truth. And when we're in truth, only the light of love can express itself. Only truth can express itself. And then I'm, we transcend the personality. How wonderful is that? So when we can accept where we are on the path, when we can accept that we are learning, when we can accept that this is where I am right now and it is perfect, my greatest good is unfolding, The best case scenario is unfolding here and now for me. I know it to be true because it's the only thing that could be happening and I'm willing to see why and how. You know, and even if you don't know the questions to ask, you can say, Holy Spirit, God, loving universe, if I knew the questions to ask to support myself right now, what would they be? Because I don't know. And then just listen. 
So when we can become willing to believe that our greatest good is always unfolding, when we become willing to believe that we don't have enough information to judge anything as good and bad, but we can trust that whatever is unfolding in front of us is to support us to awakening to our greatest good, to our true self, because everything in this universe is totally, completely designed to support you in waking up to who you truly are, and that's just that. So when you can approach every situation with that, even if it feels like, huh, okay, they stole my car. Let's check in with each other. All right, I'm really upset right now. I'm feeling victimized, and that's okay. I'm willing to believe that my greatest good is unfolding, even though I don't feel like that right now. Um, But I'm not going to judge this as bad. I'm just going to stick with the facts. The facts are my car was stolen. Doesn't make it good, doesn't make it bad. Doesn't make anybody evil or wrong or anything like that. My car was stolen. Now I can make a clear-minded, loving decision (laughs) from the space with a quiet mind. So the last piece of advice, last um, thing I'm going to invite you to consider are the words you use on the path. So one word that is often used is this is really hard. This is really hard. It's really, really hard. And I understand that it can feel that way for sure. But let's, I'll tell you the story that was told to me that helped me understand this. If you woke up one morning and at the foot of your bed was an angel and the angel said to you, said to me, say me, said to me, Jesse, listen, today's going to be really hard. They're going to be coming at you from every angle. They're going to want stuff from you. They're going to take stuff from you. They're going to be pushed. Every button they have is going to be pushed. You're going to want to jump off the building. But you'll make it through. I would probably say, thanks for the heads up, Angel. I think I'm just going to stay in bed today. (laughs) But if I woke up in the morning and there was an angel at the foot of my bed and that angel said, Jesse, today is going to be full of challenges. You're going to be, uh, you're going to feel pressed and you're going to feel challenged in every single way. But I promise you, each challenge, within each challenge lies the gift of knowledge, of wisdom, and of, of expansion. And at the end of the day, if you stay aligned, if you stay present, you are going to grow. You're going to learn something about yourself. I would say, all right, game on. Let's do it. So I invite you to consider substituting the word hard for challenging. Because within each challenge lies an opportunity. And that's what's really being presented to all of us all the time. Many challenges will pop up and come along the way, the path, but they're all perfectly designed to support you. We have what the Course in Miracles would call an individual curriculum. Everything will show up specifically for you in the way that you can see it, you can identify it to support you specifically. You with the past experiences that you've had. You with the parents that you had. You with the friends that you had. You with the childhood and the young adulthood and the adulthood that you've had. Through all of those experiences, you have a unique way of, you have a unique perception, you have a unique uh, way of looking at the world. And so the challenges are like designed, tailor-made just for you to support you specifically in awakening to your perfect, beautiful, luminous self. 
And who can't be grateful for that? Who can't be grateful for that? So I'd like to uh, take a few minutes just to open up the circle, and I'd be happy to uh, talk with you about anything that you'd like to talk about, about maybe something that I just shared. If you have any questions about um, anything that I just shared, feel free to unmute yourself, and let's dialogue. Uh, Jessica, this is Mom. I just wanted to say hi and that I was on the call. All right, cool. In this space, I invite you to uh, call me Reverend Jesse, and my mom's the only person that gets to call me Jesse because I. I was I lived in her for nine nine months. <laughs> I'll start calling names. I know who's on this call. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Reverend Jesse. Yes, hello. This is Magali. I'm back. Hey, Magali. Um. Well. Uh, I guess what stuck with me right now is when you spoke about accepting where we are in our mm-hmm. path, uh, because many times I feel I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go, go, you know, oh, God, I've got all these things to fix with myself. How can I be, you know, ready to, you know, be a practitioner? Um, mm-hmm. So it, it did... Um, uh, it did help me a lot to hear that that it, I have to accept where I am, and um, and uh, responsibility. Uh, that's what I wanted to hear more about. Like, what do you mean, my responsibility? Mm-hmm. Responsibility. Yeah. Well, first, I'd like to address that you are in the practitioner program. And since being in the practitioner program, have you burst into flames, spontaneously combusted, or anything like that? No, not at all. No, well, then I, then I suspect the universe does, in fact, want you here. <laughs> Isn't it great when we argue with what's actually happening, <laughs> when we argue with reality? Um, so I would say you are ready because you're here. And uh, it's time because it's happening now. So welcome. And responsibility, yes, it's, uh, it's one of my very favorite topics of conversation. Responsibility, our ability to respond in love. Leilani, you're on the call, yeah? Yes, I am. So Leilani, you work... Uh, is it TSA, correct? It's oh no, it's a private company that I work for. But you work security at the airport, yes? Yes, I do. Okay. So do you um can you see where I, I'm how am I gonna phrase this? 
do you have experiences in your job where you feel confronted by people in challenging situations? Yes, every day, yeah, all the time. <laughs> every day, yeah, it's constantly, it's between the passengers and the airlines and even within my own company with the coworkers and management, it's, I'm getting it from, from everyone, from everyone. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, great. So how would you, um, if I was to say what's the difference between reacting and responding in love, what would you say the difference would be? I feel that I guess a reaction is like an, an impulse, like a natural, I guess, reaction from your body or, or I guess the state of mind you're in in that moment. Mm-hmm. And a response with love would be, I guess, just that deeper inner part of you that that knows that regardless of of what someone says or, or what they did to you or, or how it came off, that it's it's our or it's my responsibility to respond with love regardless of, of how they, you know, confronted me. And it's it's challenging all the time because I'm I'm constantly dealing with confrontations with, with everyone and I almost have to just have that moment to pause and just kind of just, I guess, on their behalf, just accept it as a, a challenge instead of a, a confrontation and not make it personal. So mm-hmm. I've kind of learned to just over, I guess, overlook it and understand that for the most part, people may or may not know what they do, but it's just still my responsibility from God to, to always respond with love and not with the natural reaction to snap back at them, you know? Well, I'm going to invite you to, um, let's consider that word natural. So if our inherent nature is loving, is it natural to react with, I'm just going to, for the sake of this conversation, with hate or with fear? No, it, it shouldn't be natural, but I do feel that it's it's a part of, I guess, your 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 body's reaction, or I guess maybe your past, depending on your experiences or how your mind reacts. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want to react that way, but a lot of times your your I guess your yourself or the the part of you that mm-hmm. you know not 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 your soul, but yourself actually reacts mm-hmm. for you instead of guess your inner soul yeah yeah well it's a defense mechanism right yes mm-hmm yeah so a course in miracles which is a, I, i'll refer to that a lot one because i'm teaching a regular course in miracles class and we're teaching it in the other practitioners so it's like right in my face and i just uh i really love it i think it's a beautiful beautiful teaching tool of course, the miracle says that um, everything, everything, and check this out, Leilani, you'll do this. It's either an act of love or a call for love. An act of love, you're either giving love or you're calling for love. You're extending love or you're calling for love. So what do you think would go into the category of someone that's calling for love? And if it's only those two things, you're either ever giving love or you're calling for love. What do you think would fall under the category of calling for love, a call for love? Like, would it be similar to like a plea or I guess if, if 
I'm on the receiving end, would it be like So let's use your job as an example. Let's keep it in there because it's a clear example. So if someone comes up and they're in your face and they're complaining to you, is that an act of love? Are they giving love in that situation? Simplify it. It ain't complicated. Does it feel loving? Does it feel loving if someone comes up and is in your face and complaining to you? Leilani, are you there? Am I did I mute am I off or is it Leilani? Did she fall off? She might have dropped. I know. I can still hear you. Huh? Huh. Okay. Uh well I'll I'll answer for Leilani. <laughs> hello, hello, can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> There you are. So uh, I was about to answer for you, but now that you're here. so I'm um, sorry. No, it's all, don't apologize. Um, so someone's in your face. Someone's complaining to you. Does that feel loving? No. Yeah. So it's not an extension of love. They're not giving love. Uh-huh. So if it's either giving love or calling for love, what are they doing in that situation? They're not giving love in their... I guess... I guess, like you say, a call for love. I guess a yeah. or a want for love. Yes, exactly. They're calling for love. Now, have you ever been just? Have you ever been rude to someone or attacked someone because you just felt so good inside? Like you're like, this is the best day ever. I just think I'm going to go ruin someone's day. Never intentionally, no. Yeah, I've no, been, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I've been in situations to where I guess someone's confronted me and I I said something back without really, I guess, pondering it or thinking about it or letting it sit. But I've never intentionally wanted to actually say something to to hurt hurt or harm anyone. No, no, because when you're in love, you extend it. You share it, right? Yeah. So you're, 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 extending love. When you feel good, when you're, the sun is out, you're just in your groove, and you are extending love. Now, when you're short with someone, when you're on the defense and you're in attack, then you're, it's a call for love. So nothing that uh, seems like attack, if it ever seems like attack, then it's a call for love. Because never does that ever come from a space of love. It comes from a space of fear. It comes from the space of fear comes from the space of upset in some capacity, of overwhelm, of whatever. So now we know that. So now think about that. Anytime anyone is rude to you, anytime that someone's in road rage honking at you, anytime anybody is short with you, accusatory, or rude or mean in any capacity, now you have a different perspective, a different way to view it. You can say, oh, they're upset. They're calling for love. They're asking me to love them right now. They might not know that consciously, but on the soul level, that's absolutely what it is. And this is how we begin to master responsibility, is we have enough understanding to know that it's either an extension of love or it's a call for love. 
okay? Now, responsibility is our ability to respond in love. So if we're practicing real responsibility, true responsibility, and we'll continue to use Leilani because it's a really great example that everybody's traveled so everyone can relate and everyone's been there and seen it. And so uh, your work, Leilani, can support you in becoming just like a master of this if you really practice it. that, um, you know, if someone, every time, if someone is rude or short or whatever to Leilani, if she's able to, and she said this, it's perfect. If she's able to pause, and we're always allowed to pause. We never have to answer immediately. That we're, we have all the freedom in the world to take a moment if we need to. And we can pause, and we can ask ourselves, what would love do in this situation? What would love do? How can I support this person? You know, if a child is acting out and crying or having tantrum, is it helpful to shake them and yell at them and tell them that they're bad? Or can we love them? Can we support them? Can we be willing to see the truth in them? And this is how we extend love. We remember the truth in them. We bless them. We are patient. Does that mean that we don't, you know, um, take care of ourselves? Absolutely not. Of course we take care of ourselves. We love ourselves enough to take care of ourselves. We don't put ourselves in harm's way. We support ourselves, but we, you know, we make a commitment that I am here to be to demonstrate the power of love, the transformative healing power of love. So when I receive a call for love, I'm going to respond in love. I'm going to be the bringer of the love. And that's what a practitioner does out in the world. We do our best to practice loving kindness. Now, if you're not always successful at that, it's okay. We're learning. We're learning. It's like lifting weights at the gym. It takes time to build the muscles, right? But it's something to consider and something to contemplate. Responsibility, our ability to respond in love. You know, and if someone comes up to you and is rude to you and we just like to brush it off and be like, ugh, she's a bitch. But then we get the whole story of, well, she was rude to you, she was in a hurry and didn't want to deal with you because she got the call that her mother's in the hospital and she just got the call and she's rushing to Cedar Sinai, she didn't have time to engage with you in a conversation. Then you're like, oh, well, then I understand. So remember, we don't have all the information. We don't know. Or maybe that same woman, it wasn't a call to the hospital, it was that she got in a big fight with her kids that morning before work and it was really upsetting. Her kids said, I hate you, I hate you, and slammed the door. You know, we don't know what's going on. We never have all the information. So if we can do our very best to remain neutral, to remain in our loving heart, to remember that there's our greatest good is always unfolding and there's always an opportunity to express and share love. God expands by nature. God is perfect love. Love expands by nature. So when we are in love, we can only expand, express, and share. And that's true responsibility. Does that help, help you at all? Magali? Yes, yes, I'm here. Yes, I am. Okay. 
It did. Thank you. Yes. It did? Okay. Yes. And thank you, Leilani, for playing with me. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, Reverend Jeff, you had another question. Sure. Um, what do you do, though, if, because in my, in my um, scenario, I have a, a coworker, actually, like a superior lead, and I, I mean, naturally, I, I accept everyone. I love everyone. I always embrace everyone with open arms. But with this particular lady, she's um very conniving, very deceitful, and I've tried several times to have an open mind and open heart. But the minute I, I do open up, it's like she does something that I guess makes everyone just look at her and and just you know close close themselves off towards her because. She, she honestly, she just can't be trusted. And how, how do I respond? And I've tried to stay neutral, but I'm not sure if that's the best place to be because I can't open myself up to love. Or I mean, not that I can't open myself up to love, but is it fair to open myself up to love towards someone that is either going to take advantage of it or is someone that's going to just, I guess, use me or, or, or I guess, deceive me? So let's say that there is a dog in your neighborhood, okay? And the dog bites. And everybody knows that dog bites. And uh, you've even been bit by that dog, okay? And you have, for so long, you like, you resented the dog, you hated the dog. There finally came a time where you're like, you know what? That's a dog, and, you know, I know that dogs are just so loving. And whatever happened to that dog, like, that dog didn't make himself like that. Like, something happened and made that dog mean. So I have enough insight and and worldly experience to where I can understand that the dog itself is not evil. The dog is a dog. Now, does that mean that the next day you're like, now that I've forgiven the dog and I'm at peace with the dog, I'm going to go run over and give it a big kiss. What do you think is going to happen to you? <laughs> Hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Hello? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm did sorry, you what? lose Leilani again? No, no, I'm here. I'm sorry. We'll just oh, you're here. Okay. What do you think is going to happen to you if you go over to that dog? More than likely, it's going to bite. Yeah, it's going to bite. <laughs> so... Listen, you can love that dog up. You can know the truth of that dog. You can, you know, pray for that dog. And chances are it's probably going to bite you. So I would, if it were me, I would, you know, keep, know the truth for that woman. Hold the, hold the uh, container for her. Hold the space that she I would pray for her peace. I would pray for her joy. I would pray for her happiness. Because remember, when we have a joyful heart, a a loving heart, when we are feeling in love, love has to expand and express. We have to share it. We can't can't be in our defense mechanisms. We can't be in fear. We can't be in hate if we are in love. It's impossible. You can't mix the two. So we pray for her happiness. We pray for her heart. And... That doesn't mean you have to take her to lunch. You know, you can know the truth about her. 
you can celebrate that, and it doesn't mean that you have to be her best friend because you have had the experience that she lies. She'll use anything that you share with her, and, you know, she'll share it or she'll be inappropriate or whatever it is that she does. So you have that information. So it's like you can't expect the dog not to bite, but you can love it. But you can love it from over here too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make perfect sense, yes. Yeah, I would invite you to, for 30 days, and I mean mark it on your calendar, for 30 days you pray for her happiness and see what happens. Yes, I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we hold the space for transformation. We don't keep anyone in the prison of, you know, of, of the past. You know, we, we experience so much transformation in our own lives, we have to believe that it's possible for others. And, you know, we're, we can be mindful as well. Yeah. So it's 7.40. I'd like to continue uh, just to talk with you guys for five more minutes, and we'll take a break. And then after the break, we'll review the homework. And I'll be listening in uh, for the most part for the homework, um, reviewing what we believe. And, um, but yeah, so, but we have five more minutes of Q&A. If you'd like to ask any questions, I'm more than happy to continue the conversation. Reverend Jesse, mm-hmm. this is Magali again. Hey, Magali. <laughs> there are a couple of things that have been going on, um, and that uh, I guess uh, struggling with, and that was um, my son's illness. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to, you know, I think we had spoken to, um, I think Brian last time we had class or something like that, or or mentioned that the illness and then that we picture them healthy and praying. Um, well, right now we're in the hospital. We got admitted. And, um, on Sunday we were out and about and I was kind of practicing the thought that he was perfect, all well, and I left the house without his meds. And, well, now we're here at the hospital. Mm. So... Um, if we have that thought that, okay, he's perfect, there's nothing wrong with it, what do I do with the protocol of we have all these meds and we have to take these precautions and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, I know I'm not, not ready or don't have enough experience with the prayer and the, the thoughts and to envision him, I guess, as much as I try, as whole and healthy. But there was that other aspect of, okay, I have I have protocols to follow. I have medications. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, we had a this conversation, actually, um, in class this last Saturday. 
very similar to this. And the first thing is to know that the truth about your son is that your son is an extension of the divine. And every aspect of him is perfect. And it is love. Right? Mm -hmm. So the truth about your son is not that, you know, we get very, we're playing here, you know, we're operating, we're having a good old time, we're having this human experience. We're in the material realm. That is our reality that we're playing in right now. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth of who we are. We're talking about the spiritual. And this is spiritual. We are a spiritual practitioner. So we're, we're exploring the spiritual truth, the truths. And the truth is your son is perfect, whole, and complete. And he is having the experience of moving through an illness or disease. So do you have enough information, Magali, to judge this experience as good or bad? Mm, what exactly do you mean? <laughs> well, let's let's go back and visit our conversation about judgment. Do you know how his illness will affect the entire world, past, present, and future? No. No, we you do not have that information. Do you know that next week he's not going to stand up with a miraculous healing and be totally fine or whatever it is, have no symptoms whatsoever? Do you know what's going to happen next week? No, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Do you believe that uh, the truth in you is the truth in everyone, that God can work through every single person in perfect harmony? Yes. Do you believe that um, that everyone except your son's doctors are are included in that. And that's the truth for everyone except your son's doctors, or are your son's doctors included in that? Hmm. Don't know. They're included, baby. We're all one. We don't okay. have any sort of special access path to to perfect love. Divine wisdom can flow through us. If divine wisdom can flow through us, that can flow through your doctors. And so let us just say that it is God working through his doctors that had written out those prescriptions to support him and having whatever experience that is going to support your son in waking up to the truth of who he is. Now, in your relationship right now, you have a commitment to support him and, um, you know, in staying safe, if that's, if that's what you're interested in as a parent, if that's your role as a parent. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. seems like it is. It seems like you're a loving parent and you're a nurturing mother and you're interested in supporting him and feeling healthy and feeling well, yes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and right now, right here in your life, can you transcend the appearance of time and space do you do that on a regular basis? <laughs> do you have that no. experience? No. Okay. So let's just accept that right here, right now, you are a loving woman, that you believe that your son is perfectly loving too, and he's moving through this experience. And so with the tools we have right here and now, what seems to be the most peaceful approach to you? Is it giving your kid his medication so he feels good, or is it going off on the limb and trying some new prayer that you're learning in the hopes that 
still have a miraculous physical healing? What feels a little more peaceful to you? Giving in the meds or trying? Yeah, trying exactly. So right here and right now, whatever information we have, we can always just take a minute and just say, what's the most peaceful path for me right now? What will bring me the most peace to support me in continuing to do my work in harmony? And if that's give the kids a medication, give the kid his medication. Trust that God's working through his doctors. Trust that he's exactly where he needs to be, doing exactly what he needs to do. Okay. Yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, and we have to give your son the freedom to have whatever experience he needs to have. Yes. And bless it and trust that his greatest good is unfolding. That's a hard one for moms to do. Yeah. <laughs> they like to get it they yes. like to get in there. They they like to play God. They like to take responsibility for it and feel guilty for it if it doesn't look a certain way. Well, True. you gotta let yourself off the hook for that. You gotta trust that he has you know, he's being guided. He has his own experience. He's in his own channel for divine wisdom to flow through and can take him exactly where he needs to be. Okay. And in the meantime, make sure he's taking his medicine. Okay. Okay? Yes. All right, everyone. You. you are so welcome, and thank you. I am so honored to be able to have this time to connect with you guys. Let's all take a deep breath in and breathe out. <sighs> yes. And let's take a little break to stretch our legs and uh, refill our tea and go potty. It's 7.48 right now. Uh, Listen, I was a bit of a talker. I take responsibility for that. So we're going to take a little bit of a shorter break. So let's take three minutes to uh, do a little stretch, get some water, and come back. And uh, I'll meet you back here at 7.52. And Brian and Mina will facilitate the homework review. It's been such a pleasure. And I'll just declare it as sacred. Please uh, leave your phones on and just leave them on mute. Don't hang them up during the break, and we'll see you in a few. Thank you, Reverend. Yes, thank you.
Okay, dear ones, are we back? I'm back. Yes. Yay. Yes, we're awesome. here. Yeah. Amina, this is Tina. I'm back. Welcome back, Tina. This is Bruce. I'm back as well. This is Hector. Great. Okay. So thank you, Reverend Jesse. Let's all jump back in. I'd like to uh, take a minute to thank uh, Reverend. It's it's uh, being a practitioner student myself. I always hang on every word, and I get so much from his his talking and sharing so much clarity and it's always wonderful and uh, so yeah let's uh, jump into a discussion about the homework first of all a part of the homework was to read the chapter on what the mystics taught and several of you have already uh, posted on Facebook or sent a message saying that uh, you got some new insights. Would anybody like to share about that experience? Did anybody find it challenging? Did anybody find it joyful? Remember, this is a safe space to talk about anything. We practice non-judgment here. <laughs> and, and non-people pleasing, so you you don't say something to just to try to make me feel good. We get right to the heart of the matter. What what came up for us? It's Bruce. I I liked the um, part about the purpose of the expansion was to to. Um, Oh, I can't remember the exact words, but to bring out in the individual everything that resides, that eventually the, the, that which is in the divine will be in every individual. I liked that idea and, and that, that that was sort of like the purpose or the, the driving force behind the expansion. And you can imagine that that's going to take, you know, potentially, well, maybe it happens in an instant, but potentially happens in like a really long time period. So when we talk about evolution, we talk about, you know, think of evolution as being something that takes a while. Um, so I, I like that as sort of the underlying purpose or drive or thing that's going on as we're going through time and space. Absolutely. That was one of the first things that, uh, that I realized that God wins in the end. My my understanding, my limited understanding back when I was 18 years old or something, when there was this big fight between good and evil and, and God wins. And that was very comforting for, for me to know that everybody makes it. Everybody gets saved. Everybody realizes the divinity within themselves. Perfect. Thank you, Bruce. Anybody else?
Okay. Well, if so I may, I, I, would, I would like to just say uh, that what the mystics have taught is actually one of my favorite sections of teaching that we look at in all of the entire practitioner program. I read it and I, I remember the first time I read it, I got up and I was just like dancing around. And she's like, yes, I love it. And um, I just think it's so clearly just like puts it out there. Like this is what it's going. This is what's happening. I mean, just the first, the first paragraph I think is so cool. To begin with, the mystics have taught a perennial philosophy, which means that the deep spiritual thinkers of every age have arrived at certain conclusions independently of each other, and we may be certain that in the main their conclusions were correct. So it's saying, you know, like the great spiritual minds um, of every age have come to specific awarenesses. They never talked to each other. They never communicated with each other, but they came up with the same conclusion. And I'm going to read the second paragraph. The great spiritual seers of the ages have taught that man is on the pathway of an eternal evolution, the purpose of which is to produce in the individual everything that is inherent in the nature of the divine, to feel back to this fundamental unity, to commune with it, to experience the the beneficence of its presence, recognized and understood, is what it is meant by mysticism. So, it's, uh, first of all, they use the words an eternal evolution. So eternal doesn't mean that it begins at birth and ends at death. This is an ongoing evolution in which our souls are recognizing and remembering their source of origin. Oh, I just think that's so beautiful. And that we're all one. It's all, and that's the source is this unification with the with God, the the creative essence of all things, perfect love, the infinite, expansive essence of everything, and that's what we are, and that's what this this journey is about, and this is mysticism. So we're all sort of blossoming, budding, modern mystics. Um, you know, a way to recognize this. I'm not sure if you've given them the. Have you given them the ocean analogy yet? Yes, but go ahead. Everybody, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. So that. So the the idea that you know, if God was the ocean and we're all drops of water in the ocean, there's not one part of us that doesn't have ocean in it, right? There's not one part of any drop of water in the ocean that doesn't that, that isn't fully ocean water. That doesn't mean each drop is the entirety of the ocean, but when they're in the waves and they're flowing and they're moving and they're in the currents and everything like that, they're connected with the entirety of the ocean. So we're all one in the in the the ocean of God. We're all part of it. And all the qualities of the ocean, all the qualities of God are in us. And so we are just peeling off the layers of misperception, that mistaken identity, and getting back to our truth. We are one with the ocean. We are one with God. And all the qualities of God are in us. Always. Always, always. And there's not any times when it's not. Now, we may lack our awareness of it, 
But that's the only thing that's ever lacking is our awareness. And this is why we say we're here to allow. We're here to allow that which already is and always has been to come forth and express as our life. Oh, how awesome is that? I love this section. And I encourage you to continue to read it on a regular basis just to remind yourself who you are. That's all I say. I'm not going to jump in all the time, but I... Sometimes when it's just so good, I, just, I, I can't help myself. A part of the goodness is that enthusiasm. And that was also my experience the first time, again, when I was 18. And I had the realization that I was God. Now, you, we're, not, we're not trained to say that. We can't say, you know, I am God. We can say, I'm a, I'm a part of God. That, that we, can, we can realize that. But I really got that the divine lived in me, that I was an expression of the divine. And, and that was before I knew anything about any of this. I just knew that so deep inside, and it was such a celebration, and it just changed my life. And I bet all of us have had a mystical experience like that, have had that moment where we had that aha experience. And uh, then to read this chapter and to know that everybody has that experience throughout all time and that we come to the same place, the same realization, the same truth, that we are love, that love is God. It just is so liberating. I, I love it, love it, love it. How about you, Amina? What was your experience when you uh, realized the divinity within you? Uh, very similar. I love this piece as well. And... Um... And it also, you know, when we're going to get to the next part, though, what we believe, it just, you know, when I read that, I think the first time I read it, I just felt like the resonation through my whole body, just this big, giant yes. So, so let's go there, what we believe. <laughs> let's, let's go to what we believe. And uh, let's take turns reading it. So we go through uh, and have... Have everybody on the call read a paragraph. How about if we right. start with Hector? Does everybody have their books, first of all? Hector, do you have your book? Can you read the first paragraph? Yes. We Believe in God, page 83. I do. Hold on a second. We believe in God, the living spirit, almighty, one indestructible, absolute and self-existent cause. This one manifests itself in and through all creation, but is not absorbed by its creation. The manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of God. Each one of these paragraphs we could probably meditate on for, for, for a day, for a week, for a month. The experience of God in creation is what we call Christ. The experience of God beyond creation is the unnameable, unknowing, ineffable, and yet it is the cause of everything. So we have God in the creation God creating and God that it's outside of creation and all of that, and it doesn't make any sense to the mind, and yet we, we know it in our hearts. And Tina, the next, the next paragraph, we believe in the incarnation. 
We believe in the incarnation of the spirit in man and that all men are incarnations of one spirit. Is that it? That's all you wanted me to read? That's it. Okay. And if anybody wants to chime in at any point, if, if any of these really resonated with you and you'd like to contribute, that's, that's fine also. Um, Kathy, the next paragraph. We believe in the eternality, the immortality, and the continuity of the individual soul forever and ever expanding. Beautiful. And Stephen? We believe that the kingdom of heaven is within us, within man, and that we experience this kingdom to the degree that we become conscious of it. Again, each one of these statements of belief is very deep, is very powerful. That we experience it to the degree that we are conscious of it. If we're not conscious of it, if we're busy doing our life, paying attention to whatever, and not paying attention to God, we're not even aware of of, uh, divinity there. And as soon as we turn our attention, boom, it's right there. And you know, Brian, Bruce. Um, yeah. Hey, Brian, I wanted to say I, that caught my mind when I read that uh, becoming conscious of it. And I got exactly the same thought that you shared that we'll go around all our lives, living our lives without, without realizing the truality of our lives. You know what I mean? And I, that's, that spoke to me in the same way. Exactly. And that's why we're in the practitioner program. That's why we are teachers of God to the extent that we can be conscious of the divine within us and share that divinity, live that divinity. Then other people have an opportunity to see that in us and then to see that in themselves. Yes? Yes. And um, Leilani. We're going to skip over Magali right now. You don't have to read, sweetheart. How about Lalani, the next paragraph? Okay. We believe the ultimate goal of life to be a complete emancipation from all discord of every nature and that this goal is sure to be attained by all. Woohoo! <laughs> emancipation from all discord. Wouldn't, won't that be wonderful? <laughs> and back to Hector. You missed you missed me, uh, Brian. This Bruce. I can do one. Hi, Bruce. Did I miss you? Sorry. Yes. Um, Go ahead. Okay, great. We believe in the unity of all life, and that the highest God and the innermost God is one God. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Hector. We believe that God is personal to all who feel this indwelling presence. How can one sentence be so powerful? And there's so much there. Personal, that's a lot of, probably the basis of Christianity is having a personal personal relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with God. Uh, For some, it's impersonal. Yes? I like that they use personal so that we don't feel like we have to go along with a group, you know, the group mentality that if, if you don't believe our way, you're wrong. 
And I like the way that it keeps reminding us it's our own personal experience and that we're, that we see things our own way and that's okay. As long as it Absolutely. comes out in the end that we, we understand the love of God and that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if I can get... Yes. Uh, just, I'm sorry. Just to... Um, Along those lines, in terms of the personal, I think that, you know, that indwelling presence is what is on the inside, but because it's personal when it comes out, uh, it is informed, it looks different, and it's informed by our our personality and our spirit-given talents and differences, so that I think that, for me, that speaks, that's very powerful, particularly in what Reverend Jesse was saying earlier that sometimes we may not like somebody's personality. But even in that sometimes, that indwelling spirit or that indwelling presence can be made manifest. Um, and it's a very personal thing and it, it, it looks different and it sounds different. Uh, and, you know, it could still be love. Absolutely. Well, it's like the mystics, I'm sorry, I feel like the mystics are teaching us that uh, we're all going to come to the same conclusion in the end. Just that they have from the beginning of time, they still are coming to the same conclusion that there's one God and we all worship the same God. Yep. Even if that worship is impersonal for some people, If if it's the embodiment of love, to me, when I pray, I often say, uh, friend, beloved God, that it's a very personal relationship with me that the divine is expressed in people. I, I look at my friends, I look at the people that I love, and I see the divine. And that's the quality that I call forward in my relationships, that I, I'm looking for the divine, I see the divine. And it's very, very personal for me. Well, you know what, Brian, I've been practicing is I have been taking a few moments to look at people I don't know and maybe someone that I probably would not want to encounter and see the divine in them. And like even at the stores or whatever, the person that I walk past while going into the door, I'll look at and say, and I'll look for the divine in them, whether it's just a glance or something. And I really like that because it puts me in a connection with people and it teaches you how to be one with everyone, even if it's just a brief second. Absolutely. That's the graduate work. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, rock it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's really fun. I love doing that, and I will. And I think I like to watch the homeless, you know, in the streets because living here, I've really been exposed to a lot of different type of homeless people, and I look for the divine in them, and I just love doing that. And I just, you know, it just, it's to me, it's been, I don't know, I just get a little perk of happiness, and then I go on to the next little perk of happiness when I do that. Oh, beautiful. That's, that's <laughs> very saintly. That's what saints do. They see the divine everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I, I read this whole thing, but I'm just going to read this one part. 
that says whatever God is in the universal, man is in the individual. This is why all spiritual leaders have told us that if we would uncover the hidden possibility within, we should not discover, not only discover the true self, the Christ, we should also uncover the true God, the one and only cause, the supreme being, the infinite person. Jesus taught a complete union of man with God. He proclaimed that all men are divine, that all are one with the Father. I just had to do that. Yeah. (laughs) I get giddy with this stuff. I love love God so much. God got us all it is. Okay, Tina, you're up next. Okay. um, The direct revelation of truth. We believe in the direct revelation of truth. Um, the kingdom eternal. Second paragraph from the bottom of 83. Okay, there it is. I'm sorry. I lost my my place. We believe, uh, we believe in the direct revelation of truth through the intuitive and spiritual nature of man. Right there, the intuitive and spiritual nature of man. Yeah, I just love it. And that any man may come, become a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with the indwelling God. Uh, that's where we were just reading in our, our practitioner class in A Course in Miracles, who is a teacher of God. A teacher of God is anyone who steps forward to reveal that inner intuitive and spiritual nature mm-hmm. and, and live it. And Kathy? We believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. There's a lot in that in that uh, paragraph right there. Does anybody uh, have any thoughts about that? What does it mean to have a universal mind? We've had a couple of instances. I bet most of us have had an instance where we're with somebody and we start to say the same thing at the same time. Yes? Yes. <laughs> I think of this as, as going back to that that thing, I don't remember, it was before this or after this in the reading, but about the belief system and how the, the, the beliefs are manifest in the outer world. And so if we want to change the outer world, change the, the, um, the beliefs, you know, like this, it's surrounded by the creative mind which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. Right, so so if this is, uh, I mean, I always think of this as we know that negative people, we know all know negative people, and how negative people seem to attract more negativity. Just somehow, you know, everything's terrible for me, and then sure enough, everything winds up, you know, happening. And then, but so so then is the then the opposite could be true, right? Of of. It, it receives the direct impress of our thoughts and acts upon it. If we're in a in a more loving or positive state, then it's going to act on that. And even if that like isn't true, what's the harm in trying? <laughs> like even if I can't quite get myself to go, okay, well, you know, the positive beliefs are going to have the positive effect. The alternative seems, you know, we, we know what happens. Conversely, which is that the, that negativity is re, is responded to with more negativity. So why 
shouldn't positivity be responded with more positivity? Yeah, definitely. And I just would ask um, what makes you think that the positivity doesn't respond with more positivity? Well, I just don't know that that life experience, you know, bears that out because I don't know, to to Reverend Jesse's point earlier, I don't have, like, complete knowledge. So it can appear from my perspective, let's say, that, that, you know, it doesn't, it, it, that, that it's, it's not, I don't know that in every circumstance, in every case, that it will be responded that way because I don't know what's for the highest good. So, so it may not, it may not be for the highest good that, that the positivity is, is responded to in that moment, in that way, in the way that I would label or judge positivity. Right? Yes. That's it. All of it. (laughs) Yes, because we don't know. We think this is positive. We think this is negative. We don't know. It looks this way. Maybe it's not the way we want it. But that doesn't mean it's not the highest and best, right? Although we do know that, like, if someone is overwhelmed with, with negativity, that that seems to attract more negativity. Mm-hmm. Or everything yeah. comes to them through that filter, yeah. right? And then they see more of it, and then right. they bring more because that's what their right. that's their perspective, right? And that energy attracts more of the same. Yeah, definitely. It, it really definitely takes some maturity to be able to ride or surf the waves of life the good and the bad mm-hmm. without trying for the good or trying to uh, stay away from the bad to embrace all experiences as learning experiences. Uh, it's something that, that takes some practice. We're also used to, we don't want bad things to happen. But again, because we don't know the whole picture, sometimes a bad thing turns out to be uh, something that's positive. And um, I have a quick little example. When I was in Hawaii and I was, uh, I was talking about how much I meditate and I was lying. I was exaggerating how much I meditate. Oh, yes, I meditate for hours every day, you know, because I'm so spiritual. And uh, I fell and I broke my back. I think most of you have heard the story. I broke my back. Well, after I broke my back, the only time that I was comfortable was sitting up straight. I was forced to meditate. (laughs) Now, in Hawaii, we have the the goddess Pele, the goddess of the volcano, and she's very, very strict on the island. You have to, you can't mess with Pele. You can't mess with truth. My, My understanding of this event, and it's a limited understanding, it's just me creating a story out of it, but that because I was lying and say, saying I was meditating, I broke my back and I was forced to meditate. So something very positive came out of that experience. But that's just one kind of example of sometimes we, we don't know uh, what, what is good or bad. But you know, Brian, that's yeah. awesome, Brian. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, th- I was thinking, well, the universe was helping you to live out your truth. Because you're sitting there, oh, I meditate all the time, so they're just going to give you the truth of it. Yeah, you just meditate right. now all the time. <laughs> the universe exactly. just helps you. 
Wow, yes. good for the universe. Woo-hoo. Yes. And to but take even, it in another... even, yes. this is Hector. But even going back to the idea of uh, negativity, for some people that are incredibly negative in their lives, yeah, that may attract negativity in their lives, and we may judge that as not good, but we don't know. Maybe that is their path of surrender. Maybe that is the path of getting to a moment of realization that there must be a different way of doing things. So something that seems so evidently negative may be their way of enlightenment. Absolutely. That's exactly correct. They have to get to the, they have to go to hell to to realize that they're in hell. To find a light, to find a way out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of what I often term not suffering in vain because we're going to learn one way or another. And um, I think because this is an eternal evolution um, and whether we oftentimes consciously participate in it or not, the expansion is going to happen regardless. Um, and so for me, I think that just, you know, the pain is going to come, the suffering is going to come, it's going to happen. Um, but, you know, how am I going to evolve and, and expand and all of that from that, even when, for example, Brian, your 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 story was, was I was going to say brilliant. What happened as a result of it was brilliant, but nevertheless, you know, you you got an opportunity to... <laughs> To meditate a lot. <laughs> yep. Okay, I'm I'm sorry I lost our place. Who was the last to read? I think it was me. It was Kathy. Okay. Then Stephen, uh top of page eighty four, we believe in the healing. We believe in the healing of the sick through the power of this mind. There's probably days of discussion in that one. And again, we pray with Magali. And we hold the truth that the soul, the eternal soul, is always fine, is always perfect, whole, and complete. And at the same time, we are in this body, in this physical world, having trials living through sickness, old age, and death. So it's how do we hold the person? We hold them in truth. We hold them in light. And we give them their medicine. You know, Brian, in my homework, this is Tina, I'm sorry. In my homework, it says, you know, one of the challenging beliefs is that I can heal my own body. That's that's something that I just stand back in awe, like, wow, because I, yeah, I still don't, I can't see that yet. You know, I go, wow, and that's where I, I seem to find the challenge to believe this without some sort of medication or, I always think, well, I don't know, I, you know, it, it's just challenging for me. I go, Wow. It's probably challenging for most of us. 
Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I have many examples in my own life where uh, sickness and illness was transcended through prayer and through positive affirmations. Um, probably many of us have little glimpses of it, like if we're having a little bit of a, a feeling of a cold coming on. And we just say, no, I'm fine. I, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I've got I've to do this. I'm not going to pay attention to the sickness. And, and, it, and then it just kind of disappears. Does anybody else have that experience besides me? You know, Brian, yeah, I was going to say that two times in my life I was told I was going to die. That I was, that was it. Uh, get ready, you're going to die. And both times I was in the hospital, and both times I just laid there and I asked God, "What is it you want me to know?" I said, "Please tell me. You know, what is it you want me to know through this experience?" And one time it was be quiet and listen and then next thing i heard a voice was say give thanks and people's names came to my mind and for 16 hours i lay there dying and all i could say was thank you for all these names that were coming through my mind and and that's all i did and i woke up after 16 hours of doing that and i'm still here so, you know, mm-hmm. I've experienced it, but it's something like that I seem to be able to believe can happen rather than me heal like um, like uh, maybe an infection or something like that. Mm-hmm. Did somebody else want to share? Okay, Bruce, the next paragraph. Okay. Uh, We believe in the control of conditions through the power of the mind. What does that mean, the control of conditions through the power of the mind? You know, I mean, I interpret that as, as kind of what we've been talking about, how we come at experiences by nature affects the experience, like how we observe or participate in um, an experience changes the outcome of the experience. They've proven that now, like with quantum physics, right? That the yes. that the the observation of an event changes the event itself. So whatever energy we're coming, I'm coming into a situation with in my life, I'm having some kind of impact on the outcome, and I can't necessarily know you know the bigger higher purpose for everything i just that's not that's i'm not responsible for that i'm just responsible for me and my own you know whatever my own um you know my own presence so absolutely yep yeah that's what i think it means yep I have that experience also in how I hold somebody. If I'm angry at somebody, uh, just even in my thoughts, and I don't even express it, that person feels that. And and, uh, I had a a time uh, with my mom that I was 
planting some flowers and I wanted to do it my way and she wanted to do it her way and I was all upset and it was all this hullabaloo and then I decided to drop it. I said, loving, I said to myself, loving my mom is more important than being right. If she wants the flowers in this particular way, that'll, that'll be fine. When I thought that, my mom came out, she looked at the flowers and she said, you know what, Brian? I, I think your idea was, was good. Let's... <laughs> so as, as soon as I stopped trying to argue and trying to manipulate and trying to have the control and just loved her, then the, the best possible solution was there, regardless of how the flowers were arranged, because the love, the love was there. And that was, that was miraculous to me. That was, woohoo! I love that one. And Leilani, the next one. We believe in the eternal goodness, the eternal loving kindness, and the eternal givingness of life to all. So is the foundation of life itself good? Is that one of the tenets of what we believe, that the universe is a benevolent universe unfolding for our, our benefit, for the benefit of everyone? That's a huge, that's a huge belief. Who, who feels that? Who knows that? Who, can, who is experiencing that? I am. <laughs> Me too. I am. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. for me, the word benevolent, I definitely uh-huh. agree with that statement intellectually. But, but like, the, the struggle that I have with science of mind a little bit is it, there seems to be a belief that wishing to change your consciousness will change everything. And I think the word benevolent to me is it has to serve a higher purpose. So if in my curriculum, and the book says here that the purpose of life is emancipation of suffering. So if I can do that through changing my consciousness, yes, I think I can control my conditions. But if the only way for me to emancipate myself from suffering is through suffering, I definitely think that that's going to be the path that I need to follow because that is my curriculum. Uh, and a little bit of the struggle that I have sometimes with science of mind is it seems to imply that a change in consciousness comes by simply willing or wishing. And I don't think that that's it only. I think that there is, we have to go through the curriculum. We have to break open from our old beliefs to be able to reborn again and be fully emancipated. So, um, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I asked you to just ponder the idea that our beliefs create our reality. So if we have a belief that we have to struggle or we have to somehow suffer in order to learn, then I suggest that that is probably going to happen. If we hold the belief that Learning is elegant and easy and full of love, then, then I suggest that that may be our experience. That whatever we hold as our thoughts and our languaging, and I notice that, you know, with learning the Chinese language, oh, learning the Chinese language is difficult. If I say it's difficult, it's difficult. 
If I say learning the Chinese language is easy, even if it's challenging, I'm open to the opportunity that it can become easy. So it's an opportunity for us as practitioners to look at our thoughts, to look at our beliefs, and be willing to be open to new ideas. Something to ponder. And let's see, are we with Leilani now for the next one? The final one? Yes, um, we believe in our own soul, our own spirit, and our own destiny, for we understand that life of man is God. The life of man is God. Wow. How many times do you hear that said every day? <laughs> oh, thank you all so much, so much for reading this, for going over this. And these are just the, the, the you know, the little captions for each of these uh chapters, each of these paragraphs, these sections. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Amina now to share a little bit and to talk about what's coming up for us for this next week. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. What a great conversation. And I think we can probably talk some more about this next week because this is really the heart of the science of mind principles, what we believe. And so um, I thank you all for your your deep uh, sharing even in a brief amount of time. And um, what you're going to have for your homework next week is you're going to read and answer questions for the following section. So I'm going to give you the sections now so you can start reading, and we'll send you an email with the questions. So first one is, why talk so much about God on page 107? The discovery of God is personal on page 111. The Silent One Within Us, on page 114. And The Presence is Peace, Joy, and Beauty, on page 115. So please read that. You'll get an email with the questions, and uh, you'll send that in to Brian. Thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Reverend Jesse, for spending time with us tonight and um, sharing so beautifully. And I'm just going to close us out in prayer. And we are starting with a breath of gratitude. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for the opportunity to join together in this sacred circle and this beautiful spiritual community. We're so grateful for these teachings. We're so grateful for the opportunity to live these teachings. And we make an offering. We release any fear, worry, or doubt, any sense of lack or limitation, any ideas that we're unworthy or not ready or incapable. We let all of that go now. And we stand in the truth and we declare that we're one with perfect love. We declare that all of the wisdom of the universe resides within us. We declare that we are worthy just because we exist and everything we need is already given and that our greatest good is always unfolding and how grateful we are to know this truth. And when we remember the truth and when we live from this truth, everything is easy, everything is joyful. And so we're grateful to share this truth with each other and with all beings. We place Agon and Magali in the center of our circle, 
surrounding them with love and light, knowing Agon's wholeness and perfection, knowing that he is so well taken care of. We bless his doctors and all of his medical team, and we just trust that the greatest good is unfolding for him and for Magali, and that all is truly well. We share the benefit of this prayer, this practice with everyone because we're one with them. And in grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. I love you all. Have a great, great week. And we're going to have our next class is going to be in person on the 23rd. So we'll send an email about that soon. Okay. Love you. Good night. Bye. Good night, everyone.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.